Brandon Steiner, and this is Unplugged with Brandon Steiner. I'm so proud of him, just because he's always running, and tonight he was early. Yeah, excited. No sweating, nothing. No. It's like nice and calm. I'm thinking seven out of eight. You've been down this road before a couple of times with different teams. You approach this game differently. You start pressing a little bit, or well, I think it's human nature to start pressing a little bit. But I think that's where your professionalism comes into play, knowing that uh, you cannot win 162 games in a season. You're going to go through ups and downs and highs and lows. And uh, I think the most important part is to stick you your uh, stick to your preparation. That's the main thing. You, you got to stick to your plan. Uh, what has gotten you to this point, and uh, it's a very important thing because once you start second guessing yourself, and you start like going into this like slippery slope of doing everything and trying everything and nothing works, and it just kind of spirals down. So, stick to your plan. What has gotten you to this point successful, and just kind of like brace yourself until this. Uh, uh, Earthquake passes, and then you'll be, you know, right into your, you know, right into your journey again. You ready to see a little of the finger pointing, you know, today? If you listen to talk radio, you know, it's like, you know, it's like this one and that one. But before we get more into the Yankees, I just got to ask you a little bit about your career because it is fascinating. I <laughs> My mean, career. Well, yeah. it is. I mean, just when you think about it, it's like how hard is it to become a, a professional player, and now you're you're in the music scene. How hard has it been? Because I don't know if people realize that sometimes they see you play the national anthem or a song here, a song there. But you've got a, you're on a real tour. You've got a real music career that you've gone to school for. How hard is how hard have you, is it harder to do that than baseball? Uh, well, you know what? I think it's uh, if I had to do it all over again, I would probably do it the same way. I become a major league baseball player. Spent 16 years with the New York Yankees. Established myself. You know, kind of like retire at. I don't know, 37, you know, my kids are in school, everybody's doing fine, and then just go out and, and, and do my thing. I think, you know, calling it a career, um, it's, you know, I don't know. It, it's not, I don't stress about music as much as I did about baseball. Uh, music is more about, the, you know, the journey, the creative side. Making music is one of the, probably one of the great things that I've ever been able to do in my life. Uh, uh, and just kind of explore that part of me that uh, I have been willing, I mean, I have been fortunate enough and blessed enough to do because I retired at an age that I could do it with a lot of passion and intensity still. I mean, you never seem panicked when I look at you, even regardless what the situation is. You always had that calm look. Was that just a good fake me out thing? That is a, a greatest fake me out face ever. Well, that's, you know, talking about that, that is probably one of the... Uh, Interesting things, you know, if you want to compare baseball and music, I get this question all the time. Uh, baseball, uh, in, in many instances, it, the, the whole poker face and the whole faking out and not really showing your emotions was not only welcome but encouraged. Uh, in my uh, view, like if you were showing a lot of emotion, a lot of uh, passion and, and showing, you know, your emotions on, up your sleeve, you know, you gave, I, in my mind, I would give the, uh, the opposition a, uh, an edge saying, oh, he's, he's, you know, he's out of control. He's nervous. He's tired. He's mad. He's angry, you know. So I think just to have that, uh, 
position of being not knowing what they what you are you know inside uh, it gave me an advantage uh sometimes i i felt you know that you know i was so sick you know 102 fever whatever you kind of patch yourself up and go out there and play i have maybe a nag, nagging injury you know bothering me but in my face i was like yeah i'm gonna get you and it's like whoa this guy's hitting 300. He doesn't know that I'm like really dying inside, but it's like, oh my, I still got to be careful about this guy. So turning the page into music is the opposite. The opposite. You know, you, How so? you cannot be a stoic. You cannot perform like this all the time. You have to engage the audience. You have to invite them into your world. You have to make them feel comfortable. Uh, and uh, you have to talk to them. You have to talk about your life, about your music, about what got, has gotten you to that point. Uh, and uh, uh, to me, uh, at the beginning, that was the hardest part. The hardest part was not to play the music in front of them. The hardest part was to open myself to them, you know, like in, in, talking to them and making them feel welcome. Uh, so as the years have gone by, I've gotten a little bit better at that. And, uh, you know, the more that I practice, the better a uh, guitar player I become. I don't have to worry about that part anymore, and then I have more fun, you know, interacting with the audience and uh, and making them feel good and uh, having a good time because that's what it's all about. Are you playing in front of big crowds now? I mean, it, it, or have we? Define big. <laughs> you know, thousands of people. Yeah, did you know what? I think there's an irony on that because if you play in front of ten, twenty thousand people. They may not be able to hear the details of your playing as much as if you were playing in front of these uh, very important people. They can like hone in into your every detail of your nuance of your playing. So you tell me, what is harder to play for fifty thousand people or to play for ten really good like critical Probably people? Probably ten really critical yes, people, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that's one of the you know the cool things that make you know, music you know what it is. You know it's. Uh, uh, it's 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 a great experience. I was thinking, you know, in the coolness. Obviously, you and Paul Neal were on opposite ends of the spectrum. We had Paul here a few weeks ago, and his whole thought process was show your emotion and, you know, beating up the water cooler. And then, but you know, so, but you kind of sit back and yeah, but that worked for him though. He was, you know, like as long as you're consistent in one side of the spectrum then that's your your mo and people are going to say well he's like that all the time so i don't know if he's going to be you know i don't know if he's doing like that if he's angry i don't know if he's he's just like that all the time so i just worked on the other side it was like oh, let's, let's go to right. mariano's comments though okay i just, just got to bring this up because <laughs> mariano be has said like sometimes like 10 minutes before the game 15 minutes you're taking a nap yes <laughs> i was for for the rest of the world i was taking a nap I was uh, doing my uh, visualizing exercises. Uh, well, that could be my excuse, I guess. Sometimes I would doze off, so you know that they might lead them into believing that That's I was sleeping. Pretty relaxed. I mean, I'm. Yeah, yeah. Right? I think I mean, you know. I think you need to have the right combination, the right mix mentally. If you're too relaxed, then the game passes you by, and you're not ready. If you're too amped up then you're out of control and that you cannot react because you're, you're just too jumpy. So you just need the right, uh, let's see what I can call this, um, quiet intensity, controlled intensity. Uh, yeah. And that's, you know, in, it, it, there's sometimes during the course of the season that that comes very easy. You know, if you start getting a hit here, two hits there, then you start rolling and you're like, yeah, man, this is good. And then all of a sudden, 
the umpire calls a bad pitch on you, or you hit the ball right in the screws, right at somebody, and now you're 0 for 4, 0 for 10, and all of a sudden you're like, ooh. That's where you have to remain a pro and say, i got to rely on my approach. i got to keep doing the same things that I've done. Derek Jeter is a, a great example of that. Whether he was hitting 400 or 220, you know, with a stretch of time, he would do the same thing all the time. Wade Box was the same way. I mean, he was borderline OCD uh, as far as that. He was like, he would do the same thing every single day up to the number. He would like go out and wait. The, if the game started at seven uh, o'clock, he would go out to a stretch at uh, 6.47. Like he had that number, he had that seven number. The game started at uh, 7.30, he would go out at uh, 7.17 and he would like wait in the dugout. He was like waiting for the clock to turn. And then as soon as the clock turned, he would just start running, sprinting, and doing all his things. So I mean, like, that's a guy that really relied on his preparation. People don't talk a lot about mental consistency. You know, you know, the mental stamina of a game like this. The baby bombers. You were part of the original baby bombers. Uh, at that point, yeah, we were that. young. We were young. Running at that around point. for $1,000 and. <laughs> Hoping oh, that somebody yeah. would, somebody, hoping somebody that would want, you know, you and Laris and yeah, Kevin course. Moss. Of course, yeah. What do you think about these baby bombers? What, you know, what do you think about this team? Is this kind of, do you see a little resurrection of kind of what you were building in the early 90s now? I think it's a great thing when uh, you're put into the place of um, uh, playing with not no real expectations. I mean, every time that I heard from the years, you know, from last year or the year before, we're regrouping, we're, re, you know, re, uh, doing a, a, a revamp of the team. These guys were kind of playing with house money. We, we need some time to sort of get them uh, uh, reacquainted with the team and get them, you know, some, some of the growing pains out. As a player, if you hear that, you know, it's not like the 98, 99 Yankees. It was like, you are supposed to win the world series right now and if you don't it's a, it's a crappy year you know it's a it's a completely different set of uh, expectations i think these guys are playing uh the game free and loose and easy and it's like you know these nobody knows who we are uh, so we're just kind of like taking the league by storm uh, we're having fun with it uh, and uh, it's it's just a great time for them to be you know establishing themselves at major league as major league baseball players and uh, making their mark on the team, uh, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a great uh, situation to be in. I think, you know, it, it's, it's like everything else. You know, time will tell how do they adjust to the, uh, the rest of the league making adjustments to them. And Aaron Hicks, does he remind you a little of you a little bit? Just got that chip, little chip on his shoulder, questionable whether he was the right guy to get. You know, obviously we traded. Of course, really man. good players he, for him. I saw a lot of those guys in spring training, and they they just had that hunger that you can see in their eyes. You know, they're like, "Yeah, this is. Um, we respect you. You're part of the history of the team, but this is not your team anymore. This is our team, and now this is our time to make our mark." And uh, I saw that in in all of those guys, and that's a great that's a great attitude to have. Did anybody gravitate to you because I mean, center field, we're talking Mantle, DiMaggio. There's some, you know, right. I mean, some names back. Did guys gravitate to you and say, hey, Bernie, you know, what's the deal? Who gravitated you the most? Well, um, not really. Not really anybody in particular. 
I mean, I was able to sort of watch batting practice and see the guys, you know, you know, they would come randomly, you know, to me, you know, ask me questions. You know, I talked a little bit with Aaron about being a switch hitter. Uh, uh, he's a Are great. You saying you're responsible for Aaron hitting all the. Oh, home absolutely home? not. <laughs> no, I, I think that's what he said. No, no, no not really. Not what's, your, really. what's your take on Aaron Judge? Though? I mean, everybody wants to know that. And, and do we have something that's really special in your eyes? Is this, absolutely. Is this something really special in the makings? Absolutely. I think you, you're seeing a guy that just it's a great hitter that happens to be huge. He's happened to be six eight two two eighty, but he approaches you know. His at bats as as a hitter, not as a slugger. He doesn't want to hit every ball out. He he has a good knowledge of the strike zone. He knows his pitches and he hits the ball where it's pitch. He take you out right center, left center. Most of his home runs have been straight up center field. You know that that uh, you know that implies uh, a sound fundamental mechanical approach to the plate. If you hit the ball that far straight away, you're not trying to pull it, you're not you're not behind, you're just hitting it right on the right on the screw. So and with his power and uh you know the way that he swings, he doesn't really have to be trying to hit home runs. If he hits the ball good, it's gonna go out. If you were his hitting instructor, is there anything you could tell him that maybe to even be better than what he is? Don't change anything. <laughs> just keep doing what you're doing. I think the most important part at this stage of the game is to trust yourself and not second guess yourself. Start thinking that this is just the way we roll, this is how I do things, and it's not a fluke. Once you start second guessing and thinking, oh, maybe I'm not, maybe this is just a surprise, maybe I don't know if I can be this good, that's when you start you know, doubting yourself and then the league kind of sees that in your eyes, it's like, yeah, we, we, can, we can take this guy, he's, he's weak mentally. Well, as long as you stay strong mentally, the, the physical part is going to take care of itself. Last question. We're going to do some Q&A from the audience. Um, for some reason, I, I Joe Torrey. You know, so, Godfather. Well, I mean, you know, we always talk about Jeter and Mariano and Pettit, but, you know, the, he was kind of this rock in the dugout. I always think of him, you know, you're not showing a lot of emotion. Talk to me about your relationship with Joe and why he was such a good manager, great manager. Maybe there's a story that, you know, to explain the relationship between the two of you. Joe was great. Joe was great. Uh, he was the right guy at the right time to do the right job. Uh, I think, you know, he had so many uh, things, doubt, so many uh, people doubting him as he came to the Yankees because he never, yeah, he said it before. I never really had the talent uh, on a baseball team that I had over these years. Uh, and uh, you allowed me to be the manager that I wanted to be. Uh, and uh, I don't know, there's a story, I don't know if he'll, he definitely will corroborate this, but. Uh, we believe you. There was, a, <laughs> there was a time that I had a toothache, I think I had to, uh, you know, had to go to the dentist and he let me, uh, uh, you know, sort of take a seat and kind of lay down on his couch in his office in spring training. And, uh, he said uh, to me, well, you know, you, you know, there, you know, let me close the door because uh, I don't want people to think that you're my favorite. And, uh, and, I, and I said, well, I think they already know. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, Joe, the one thing that I think made Joe special was the fact that he was able to see what every player needed to be at their best. It's not, it's not a cookie cutter thing. It's not a one thing for everybody. He took the time to know not only the physical and the you know the, the virtues and the limitations of every player, but the, the mental aspect of them. Some people needed to be reminded all the time how good they were. Some people needed to uh, uh, be kicked 
you know, sort of like in gear constantly for them to kind of get. And so people, some people needed to be alone. Some people needed to just be, you know, just go out there and do your thing. And he, uh, he needed to do that to be a successful manager. I think he did that to the best of, uh, like, like I've never seen before. And he was always, uh, uh, he was like the buffer between the, the media and the distractions and, and the team itself. You know, he, he took upon himself all the distractions of the media and because he, had, he knew how to handle it. He was a broadcaster. He was an MVP. He knew how to play the game. And there's nothing that we could you know, get by him. He knew. I mean, he only had two rules. Play as hard as you can, and you'll be on time. And if he's clear about those two rules, he was clear about those two rules. And you know, you know, they make sense. You know, you play as hard as you can, you'll be on time, and he will go through the wall uh, for you. And he did, in my case, many times. Now, will you be in center field on Sunday? Because I know that's questions got to be asked. But will you see you roaming around for old Thomas Day? I don't know. I I might. I don't know. That would be I mean that makes Sunday's ticket a hot ticket. Yeah, I would I would be there, I man. I'll have Mickey Rivers right next to me and the when the ball is hit, he'll be the one chasing it. And he still yeah, does. He's still playing, yeah. yeah. Mickey Rivers, another great center fielder. Okay, we're gonna go to the audience. We'll take some questions from you. Got uh, hey Bernie. Hello. Um I have uh two young aspiring uh, baseball players in front of me. And what kind of advice can you tell them that aspire to play high school, collegiate, and hopefully, you know, move on? Um, but what can you give young players today advice to to have the same sort of passion, excitement, enthusiasm for baseball? Mm, that's a good question. I think for me it was to, to do well in school. Do well in school, I think. Because, like... Being a good student for me has allowed me to have the discipline, the commitment, the intelligence, and the resolve to do anything that I set out to do in life, right? So I could have chosen to, I could have chosen to be a doctor or an architect or an engineer. I just happened to be a baseball player, and now I'm, I'm a musician. But it all comes from the same source in your head. There's a couple of things that you have to do to be successful in anything that you, that you do. You need to have discipline, you need to have commitment, and you need to be able to work with people, and you need to have an ability to make adjustments, to, to be, uh, overcome adversity. A lot of this, those things you, know, you, you get in school, a lot of those things you get in school, you need to you, know, you learn to work with people, you learn to work hard uh, to get a goal accomplished, and uh, you know, sports is a, it's a, it's just an extension of that. So my advice is to do good in school. Hi, Bernie. I'm a, uh, my name is John. I'm a lifelong Yankee fan and a big fan of yours. And it's an so. honor to be here tonight. I have to ask you a question, though. You know, we all work, and sometimes we have a bad day. You go home, you think, oh, gee. When, when you may be in a slump, maybe the sports writers are on top of you, uh, you're reading about it in the paper, before that meditation period, before taking that little nap before you go out on the field, did you say to yourself, I should have been a doctor? That's an interesting question. Uh, but the answer would be uh, not at all, man. I, I realized a long time ago in my career that my worst possible day playing center field for the New York Yankees is probably a lot better than other people's best days. So uh, I think to, ha yeah, to have that, uh, 
to realize that and to uh, realize how fortunate and how blessed you are to be playing a game and being paid for it, like a lot of money, uh, is just, uh, uh, I mean, it would like deter you from being down, uh, from, you know, from like getting frustrated. I mean, yeah, I don't know if I have to say anything more about that though. Hey, Bernie. Uh, big fan. Uh, pleasure to be here. And thanks for making it easy to grow up a Yankee fan. Sincerely appreciate that. Uh, um, so my question is, and you were asked about Aaron Judge a second ago or a few minutes ago. So there's all this media coverage. Obviously, we're in New York. Um, and so he's getting a lot of pressure, I feel like, and we're naming sections of the stadium after him and all rise. We got people with gavels and all this stuff. And he's only 24, 25 years old. He's obviously a stud. But um, how do you think, you know, he's an outfielder, you were a center fielder. How do you think when you were that age, you would have maybe responded to that kind of pressure and attention at such a young age and early in your career? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. I think there's, well, it is really, it's hard. It's, it's got to be really hard for him. Uh, I think, you know, in that sense, he cannot do it alone. I think, you know, you you, you need to have a certain upbringing, uh, and you need to rely on the people that you surround yourself with that keep you, that will keep you grounded. And I think a lot of the a lot of the game has to do with what you do outside of the. I mean, the easiest part is to play the game. You know, this is what you have trained to do for so many years. You make it to the big leagues. You're you're playing every day. Uh, you're a star playing. The, that's your sanctuary. That's those between the lines. That's 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 where you live. Outside of the game, it's a wild, wild world, and uh, you you get you know so many distractions. You know so many people that you know, so many demands on your time uh, because you know they expect you to be. Now that you can hit the ball 500 feet, they expect you to be uh, a well-spoken person. They need you to. Be, they expect you to be a. Uh, uh, I don't know. To have a good autograph. To have a good autograph. They expect you to be nice to people. They expect you to be uh, uh, a public speaker. You know, there's so many demands that come with that, and uh, it doesn't come with a manual. It doesn't come with a book of instructions. You kind of have to kind of learn that on the run, uh, as you know, obviously taking care of your responsibility of playing the game itself, and that should be first and foremost. Uh, I think it's going to be, uh, for him, it's going to be very important to surround himself with the right people that will keep him grounded. Who was your person? Who was your person that kept you grounded? Uh, my dad, uh, my ex-wife, uh, uh, my kids, uh, and my extended family. Uh, some friends uh, in, on the team, you know, like Derek, seeing Derek's sample, uh, and uh, you know, so you go home and your wife's like, "Can you unload the dishwasher?" Kind of thing, grounded. Yeah. Or? Can you take the kids to school the next day? Uh, you know, can you you know go out and have dinner with us? You know, can you you know things like that? Uh, I think you you need a certain sense of normalcy, what it feels to be a normal person, because the game is gonna you're gonna be surrounded with. Uh, a distorted sense of reality, which is not really distorted because it is your reality at the time. Uh, it is, it is, it is what it is. But I think if you start getting that in your head, thinking that you are the person that everybody thinks you are and that, that everybody expects you to be, then it'll put a lot of unnecessary pressure and it will affect your game. 
it will affect your game. You st especially at this time now, at this day and age, that you have so much social media going and so much Facebook and Instagram, and everybody knows your your inner thoughts. If you can put them on, on, online and send them out, you know, to everybody to read. Uh, it, it's a very uh, interesting time that we're living, but I think you know just the fact that uh, uh, just trying to stay grounded and surround yourself with the, with the people that are going to keep you grounded there. I think that's the most important thing for him right now, for anybody right now, in that situation. Hey, Bernie, thanks for being here tonight. Hey, man, how's it going? Pretty good. Uh, my question is, if you can describe a specific time in your life or in your ball paint ball playing career where there was a high level of adversity and what you did to overcome that adversity. Hmm. George trading you every other day? Yeah. Um, well, you know what? That was a trying time. I think from the time that I uh, became uh, a player in, in the with the Yankees, I think it was 90, around 91, I uh, remember the first time I went in, into the uh, big leagues, Danny Tartable got hurt, and that was the spot for me to 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 come in and try to fill in his you know his shoes. The next year, Roberto Kelly got hurt, and that opened the, the opportunity for me. Uh, in '93, that was '91, '92, '93, they made the the trade for uh, Paul O'Neill, and they said, "Okay." Bernie, this is center field. This is for you to. Uh, this is the position for you right now. And from that point on, uh, I was either in the trading block or sent to the minors. Uh, you know, almost every year because obviously New York, it you know within itself has a lot of great expectations, and obviously our owner is a guy that, it, 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 you know, it was very demanding. The organization was very demanding on the players. You know, the thing that sort of saved me was, uh, actually it was two things. One, the team wasn't really doing as well in 92, 93. Uh, in, starting in 94, we really started coming together as a team. Uh, so uh, they really didn't rely on me to be the anchor of the team. And two, you have people in the front office lying to lying to George, saying, "We are trying to trade him. We're trying to move him. People don't want him. He's stuck here. He's stuck here with us." <laughs> so they were kind of like saying that to George, in order for me to sort of grow into my growing—I mean, like get rid of my growing pains and really establish myself as a major league baseball player. Who's that person? That was uh, G. Michael and uh, your protector and, and Buck Walter. Yeah, they drafted me. They they gave me the, the chance, and I think they saw something in me that I didn't even see in myself at that time. I said, "No, we can't trade this guy, man. I think he's going to be good." So George, just give give him a little time. Nowadays, that doesn't happen. You know, you have a person struggling first time. They're out of the door. But at that point, they could afford to do that because the team didn't have the you know, the expectations that it has right now. And uh, what I was going to say was that, you know, to answer your question, because I don't think I did, I don't think I answered it. Uh, the one thing that kept me going was, first of all, not listening to anything, you know, outside of baseball, no radio shows, no newspapers, nothing. And really believing in my ability, thinking that if I take care of the present, the future is going to take care of itself. I cannot control their decision making. I cannot control, you know, what they want to do with me, the plans that they have. The only thing that I can control is that when I get out there 
on the baseball field to take care of business. And that's the thing that I concentrated on. I got to play as hard as I can, make sure that I do my job on the field, and then with that, change their mind. And uh, the rest is history, I guess. Hey, Bernie. Um, big fan. Appreciate you playing the game right and thank setting you, a great you. example for a lot of the Latino players out there. Thank you so much. Um, back in 06, I was fortunate enough to see you play your last game, manage it, put oh, yourself boy. in, hit that hit. <laughs> oh, God. Um, what, there wasn't social media back then, but uh, if you could give us a little bit of what your, what your thought process was, what you were thinking on that day, um, I would love to know what Bernie was thinking. <laughs> That, wow! Uh, that, that last day. Yeah, that that year was a uh, pretty uh, pretty interesting. I think you know for the last years before that year, two thousand three, four, five, and six. Like every time the season ended, uh, the last day, I would pack my things. I would leave them in the clubhouse because I lived here in New York, so I would come back and forth in the off season for uh, for workouts and 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 such. Uh, but I would go into the field. And I'd take a last look at the field after the season was over. I would go like, you know, look, no fans, nobody. There was like the sprinklers going. And I would take a look at the field every year thinking, you know, wow, God, I mean, you have blessed me with uh, such a great job and a great opportunity. I thank you so much for this. And I would do that every year. 2006 was the last year that I, that I did that. And after that game, uh, it was very interesting because Joe Torre had that custom to uh, the last game of the season, I mean, pending that we weren't, you know, it was a, an important game. If, if we had, had already uh, gone into the postseason, the last uh, game of the regular season, he said, you guys are going to manage this team, this, you know, this game. And he assigned all the veteran players. You know, he had a pitcher being the pitching coach, uh, somebody else being the hitting coach, somebody else being the bench coach, and somebody else being the manager. Uh, and I really had a lot of, a, I, I developed a lot of appreciation for that process. I mean, I had to do it uh, that day. It was just one day. But everything that needed to get involved in it, are you, health, are you healthy to play? Let me do the lineup. Who's available? Who's not? Uh, pitching changes, bullpen. How do you get somebody to warm up, not get somebody too tired to go into the game? There's so many details. And he has to do this 162 times during the year. So as a player, you get an appreciation for what they have to go through. Uh, so, uh, you know, the, that game was, you know, it's kind of get, starting to get a little close uh, and Joe, Joe was there, you know, he was just looking and laughing. He, he was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then the game started getting closer, and I was like, well, I think you better you know, go out and get a helmet and uh, maybe just pinch it uh, for this guy. Uh, and I was like, oh, but I'm the manager. It's just like, what? You know, so what? I was a player manager once. You know, that doesn't have anything to do with it. And then I think he made the executive decision. I said, Bernie, you go out there and hit. Somebody, I don't even know who was hitting. And I said, no, dude, man, all right, let me take this one. So I, uh, luckily I hit a double. Uh, and I don't know if the game was tied or what. I don't remember the outcome of the game. But I remember the, the actual the pitcher that I gave the, uh, the double uh, to. He, he turned around and he sort of tipped his cap to me you know, as a sign of respect. I was like, wow, man, that's pretty cool. So what was going through my head? Um, is this the last game that I'm going to play in Yankee Stadium? It turned out to be that way. But I, uh, uh, I was so fortunate and so blessed to have that opportunity for so many years. There were a lot of pitchers that turned around and didn't tip their cap. Everybody no, they were like, base. oh, God, God. 
<laughs> oh, yeah, you got a lot of them. You got them good, too. A lot too. of it got me, too, so. Okay, uh, Bernie, uh, yes, sir. great hitter. Love watching you, okay? Thank you so much. But was there one particular pitcher that you did not want to face? Pedro Martinez. Pedro Martinez. Yeah. Definitely. Why? Oh, he was uh, as close as I've seen to an artist playing the game. You know, paying attention to detail, feeding off the energy of the, of the hitter, Knowing when he was, you know, on top, when he had to make a pitch, he had such control of his stuff. He had four pitches. And then uh, later on in his career, he had like six. That he could, he could just turn the fastball and he could throw a four seam. He can throw a sinker. He can throw a cutter. He had a great curveball, 12 to 6. He had a changeup. And he could throw all these pitches at any time in the count for strikes. Or he could get you to chase the ball. So, and he was very intimidating. I mean, we had uh, some instances. I just had one time that uh, uh, there was a, a stretch of games where he was pitching that I would just jump on that first fastball that I saw. I could strike one. Okay, he's going to throw it to me. Don't miss it. And I hit a couple of home runs off of that, you know, off of that thing. And then he started catching up to it. He just started throwing me curveball. Strike one. It was like, oh, he caught up to it. Uh, but but also Pedro would hit you. Oh yeah, that's the other he problem. Had like, the, I mean, no matter what the count was, he would hit you. He had he that problem of brushing you yeah, in. Yeah, he had that. Uh, he had such great control that if he, if he wanted to hit you, he would. And he had, I mean, later he became more of a pitcher. You know, he, he was around 92, 93, but he would had a couple of bullets in his thing that he would jump at 95, 96 at some point where he really needed it. So he'd like completely uh, get you off guard. Uh, and uh, yeah, I remember facing him a couple of times. I used to step out of the play just to call time to try to disrupt his game a little bit. Uh, and he would have this ver verbal things in Spanish, like, Peca, no, tira la ola, no, te metes otra vez, te voy a, I'm gonna hit you if you step on the plate, if you step out. And then I remember the, uh, the commentator saying, well, they're Latin, you know, there's kind of like this great camaraderie between Latin players, and we're just out there cursing each other out. It's, but that, that was in the game. Uh, after the game, he was, he was probably one of the funniest, smartest guys that I've ever met in baseball. He was, he was a great person. I'd be remiss. Um, Hillside, we just got to change the subject for a minute because you do a lot of work feeding the homeless. Still committed to that? Absolutely. Absolutely. How do people help you there? Um, well, that's a food bank in Westchester. A food bank in Hillside, Westchester. Right? Yeah. Been doing that for years. Yeah. Still, every, you know, every year? Every year we have a dinner. Uh, wow. We have uh, a softball game, actually, the 29th of July. We're going to have a softball game as part of the proceeds of that. Uh, well, it's actually a softball slash concert. Uh, so we played at Richfield Playhouse in Connecticut. Love that place. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great place. So it ends, ends up being a, a long day for me, but it's uh, very rewarding. Uh, we uh, not only, uh, actually you're mentioning uh, Hillside now, but uh, this year an opportunity came to me to uh, be the spokesperson uh, for uh, this campaign, uh, uh, sort of like... Uh, creating awareness uh, about this disease called uh, uh, idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis, which is a disease that uh, took my dad's life away 15 years ago. So I'm involved with that as well. Uh, and uh, a lot of the things that I'm doing with music advocating, uh, trying to keep music and arts in the public schools. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm 
busier right now than that I was on your on website though is that like berniewilliams.com yeah, yeah, or yeah bernie williams bernie 51 bernie 51 i think they own bernie williams so we can just gotta close on this it. note maybe, maybe, am i reading you wrong though i mean i don't know i, I you seem very together i mean you seem happy what is it am <laughs> i reading you wrong because you know a lot of times players and you know i see different players but it's hard when you have such a brilliant career to have it all together in the post career and especially going a different direction Seems like you've put it all together. You know, you got a lot of community work, the music. Uh, are you are you feeling like you're at a really good good place in your life? I'm, I think I'm in a really good place in my life. I, I you know, that going back to you know the people you surround yourself with, and I have this guy here, Steve Fortunato. He is has been with me. Keeps it straight. Uh, he keeps me on the straight and narrow, man. Uh, uh, and uh, to you know to have all the opportunities that I've been able to have, especially in New York. Uh, uh, it's, it's, it's a great blessing. And I think, you know, one of the important things uh, as a player, as an ex-player or a former player, is to have the, the mental challenge. I think, you know, obviously physically, you kind of realize after a while that you cannot play with the same, at the same level. Uh, but mentally, you're all there still. Yeah. You have your competitive juices, your, your, your competitive nature, all that drive, it's still there. So I think the trick is to find something that could get you. There's so, there's so much golf you can play. You know, there's so much, so many things that but, you can. But when it's all said and done, how big a deal is it to be a New York Yankee? I mean, oh, it's a is, huge is it deal. It's, is it? I mean, uh, yeah, uh, of course. You know, a, a lot of the opportunities that I've gotten through uh, my post career has been because of my association with the Yankees. But you still need to deliver, man. You still need to to get out there and do your thing. You know, it's uh, it's a lot of preparation. You know, uh, not because you are able to hit a ball and uh, throw it and 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 win World Series. That doesn't make you a public speaker. It doesn't make you uh, you know motivator. It doesn't make you you know a musician. You still have to you know go through the grinder and and get those things done as well. So you know you have the opportunity, and, and it's just about making the best out of it. Thank you, my friend. It's been great. Thank you. 